The reading is from Luke chapter 10, verse 25 to 37. It's the parable of the Good Samaritan on page 1041 in the Church Bibles. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law, he replied. How do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbour as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, Who is my neighbour? In reply, Jesus said, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he travelled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Which of these three do you think was a neighbour to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. This is the word of the Lord. Father, as we look at these uh, verses that are very familiar to us, we pray that you would just speak to each of our hearts this morning in Jesus' name. somebody and they turned around and said to you how much 
do I owe you? I'm sure all of you maybe experienced that. They've done a good turn for somebody. And, and they want, they feel they want to be repaid. But um, countless times, I think we've all found ourselves wanting or needing a helping hand. And, and that's the core of the teachings of Jesus, especially in this story uh, this morning. Jesus is a master storyteller. And many of the stories that Jesus talks about in, in, the, in the scriptures are based on, on real life historical events that occurred when he was on the earth. And he used common day uh, people, he used farmers and lawyers and all sorts of different people, doctors. He used all sorts of illustrations. I was only telling somebody this week, there was, uh, there was a friend of mine in Uganda years and years ago and he was preaching in a village church. And um, the bishop was sitting beside me and um, my friend was preaching away in English and he was preaching on Jesus, the true line. And the bishop started to titter under his breath. And I kind of looked at him sideways because I didn't see anything funny in, in what the guy had said. And he said, the translator has just translated, I am the true coffee bush. <laughs> now it may seem disrespectful, but he said, the bishop told me afterwards, he said, the local population wouldn't have had a clue what vine was. But they knew exactly what a coffee bush was. And he did the exact same thing to a coffee bush as you do to a vine. Mind you, whenever I read that passage, I always think of the coffee bush as well. But Jesus used all sorts of illustrations, and on this occasion, um, he really wanted to uncover the heart of the lawyer. And I think he wants to uncover for each one of us what are, what are, what are our hearts, what is in our heart. Sometimes the parables and stories that Jesus tells challenge, and certainly in this day, they challenge the cultural thinking about the value of different groups of people because you remember that the Jews and the Samaritans, they absolutely hated each other. And in, in those days, the religious leaders, the Pharisees and anybody else, they had a very limited uh, view about who uh, mattered. They really saw relationships with people who were just of their own kind. And isn't that, isn't that true? I, I, I'm amazed at times when I hear what people say about um, the Ukrainian refugees, what they say about the homeless, what they say about different sorts of people. But Jesus is, is questioning our heart. He wants us to look at our hearts. And I believe all of us need to broaden our view of who is our neighbor, who is in our neighborhood. And when Jesus told this story of the Good Samaritan, he was in a conversation with a lawyer. I don't know, do we, do we have any lawyers in the UK? I'm not sure we do, because I'm not insulting you now if you are, if you are a lawyer. Do you ever, the principal role of a, of a lawyer is to protect his clients from somebody else in the same profession. And he can write a 10,000 word document, and it's called a brief. 
Now, I do not know how they come up with that one. I'm involved with a, with a case on uh, an executor for my, my um, aunt and uncle's will. And I got one of these briefs. I got to the end of the first page and I shook the whole thing there. It was double touch to me, but this was called a brief. Do you know the others use fine print? You need to be a magnifying glass to read what they're, what they're writing. And have you ever thought the difference between a good lawyer and a great lawyer? A good lawyer knows the law, and a great lawyer knows the judge. <laughs> anyway, sorry. Um, if you're a lawyer, I apologize profusely. The lawyer asked Jesus here this thing. Jesus had sent out the 72, and they'd come back with all sorts of, of stories about how different things had happened, how people had come to faith, how people were healed, demons were cast out, and all sorts of things. And then suddenly, a lawyer, an expert, we really, not just a lawyer, he was an expert in the law, stood up and he asked in, in verse 25, in Luke chapter 10, if you're following, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus very quickly said, what was written in the law? So he was an expert in the law, so he knew exactly what the law contained, and he answered Jesus, he says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus said, you have answered correctly. Jesus said, do this, you will live. Now this week we had read that they were trying he was trying to test Jesus. He, he wasn't wanting to know the answer. He knew the answer already but he wanted to test Jesus to see what Jesus would say. But it's interesting he wanted to justify himself and uh, instead of what I said quitting when you're ahead he went on and said and who is my neighbour? question because obviously he would have known who his neighbor, he already knew the answer but he was waiting for Jesus to maybe slip up or say something so he could catch him out as he was testing him. It was very well documented in Judea, Judaism, literature, the literature of Judaism. In their tradition a neighbor was another Jew or a convert to Judaism, that was who their neighbor was. Outside that group, uh, people were, were viewed as, as enemies. And Jesus comes on the scene and he totally challenges their thinking with the story of the Good Samaritan. As the story goes, a man is travelling down the, the, the um, 15 mile road from Jerusalem to Jericho. It was at that time considered probably one of the most dangerous roads that you could uh, travel on. Because the thieves would hide behind caves and rocks and jump out and attack the travellers. And, and in this case, the man in this story, he was attacked by robbers. He was stripped of his clothes. He was beaten. And we read he was left on the road, half dead. Half dead probably meant that he was unconscious or that he was even in danger of dying. The fact that he is stripped and unconscious, there are important details in, 
of the story. Because in, the, in that day, the normal way that you would identify a different ethnic group was the way you dressed. And by accent or by language. So this man, if he was half dead, he was probably unconscious, he couldn't speak. He had no clothes to identify himself. So anybody passing by would, have, would not have known who, who, who this man was. The man had been reduced to simply a human being. In the, in the first person to come on, on the scene, uh, we read there in, in chapter uh, 10, Chapter 10, uh, verse 31. The first person to come on the scene is a priest. Now when he saw this half-dead body on the, on the street, he faced enormous moral dilemma. Because his, offered, his office required him to be uh, morally, or not morally, to be richly pure. The priest would come to Jerusalem and minister in the temple. And often they would be in rotation for a little while and uh, it was more than likely, it doesn't say this in the story, but more than likely he had just finished his, his duty in the temple and he was on his way uh, to Jericho. And if the priest came in contact with a Samaritan, a Gentile, or a dead person, he would be considered ritually defiant. And as a result he would have to go through an extreme an extensive purification ritual for him to be restored that he could perform his priestly rituals again. And, and since he is not sure if this person is his neighbor or not, he has a loophole that allows him to ride on by and leave the person there. At times, do we often do the same thing? If we're being honest with ourselves? It's easier sometimes not to get involved in certain cases. And the next person that comes along is a, is a Levite in, in verse 7. In verse uh, 32. He probably saw the man uh, lying there. He probably is a, went a little closer than the priest because the consequences for defilement were not as strict for the Levites. He looked at the man lying there and walks on by. And I often wonder why did he walk on by? I think there's one, one strong possibility. Have you ever been driving along the road and you're on your own and you see somebody broken down on the side of the road? Maybe it's a lady, maybe it's a man and they're on their own and it looks like they're struggling. Many times and many times have I driven past. Why? Because I've heard so many stories of that sort of fake thing on the side of the road, and then when you stop, somebody jumps out and covers you over the head, takes your car, and so on and so forth. And I think that's possibly why this guy reckoned, well, this guy's been attacked, maybe I'm going to be attacked as well. Well, the audience that had gathered around Jesus at this stage, I'm sure as they were listening to this story, they were anticipating the next character in, in, in this story. And of course, 
they got it wrong. They reckoned Jesus was walking right down the hierarchy. First it was the priest, then it was the Levite. They probably thought the next person that was going to come along was a Jewish uh, layman coming down the road. But who comes down the road when the dreaded hated Samaritan to the Jews? The Jews considered the Samaritans half-breeds gods, the lowest of the low. The Samaritan came upon this injured man and offered a helping hand. He demonstrated radical love. And went beyond what anyone in that society could imagine. He knelt. He took wine and he took some of his oil and he, he applied it to this injured man's wounds. He then took the man and placed him on his donkey and personally took him to the inn to recover. It was obvious that this man had been beaten, he had been stripped of his clothes, he had been robbed, so obviously he had no money. You didn't stay in inns, nor would you stay in one today without paying for money, but what does this Samaritan do? He gives the, um, the innkeeper two denarii and said, if that's not enough, the next time I pass by, I will pay you in, in full. And it's interesting as Jesus comes to the end of his story. He asked the lawyer, which one do you think proved himself to be a neighbor? It's interesting how the lawyer answers this, and it's a bit typical of how sometimes these questions are asked and answered. He said the one who had mercy couldn't bring himself to say a Samaritan. And Jesus says, go and <coughs> do the same. And that story was told over 2,000 years ago. But it is retold every day in the situations you and I find ourselves in. And so the question is, As we've read that story this morning, the question I think we have to ask ourselves is how can we be more compassionate? I think that's the question Jesus was asking us today. How can we be more compassionate? Like Jackie Pullinger in the beginning, when I mentioned the beginning of the service, how she talked about having a soft heart and hard feet. I think all of us, we need to ask ourselves, or not to ask ourselves, we need to ask God to give us a heart of compassion. There are times, I must admit, in my life when it's very hard to be compassionate. I have to really pray, Lord, give me a compassionate and sensitive heart. Because over the years, our hearts have become hardened. Maybe pain, maybe disappointment have had a way of stealing the tenderness from us. Maybe we've been hurt in the past. Maybe somebody has done something that stops us from reaching out to others. We need to, we need to ask God for a new heart. For a heart of compassion. Secondly, how can we be more compassionate? Open our eyes 
to the needs of other people. And I must have this over the last week, not this last week, but the week before when we had the Ukrainian family come here. My mind was in, in overdrive and it was very hard to sleep because my mind was turning the tent to the dust. What are we doing as a church? Yes, we did something for a week, but friends, try and picture yourselves that if that was happening to us here in Ireland, and we went to the Ukraine for, refu for refugee status, we can't speak the language, we're stuck in a hotel or worse. Wouldn't it be nice if somebody came and helped us to do something, not just for a week, but something more permanent? What can we do? At this moment in time, I don't have any answers, but I want you to pray. And not just to pray, but to act. And I looked during the week, in, in here and outside, particularly at the the little ones and the ones maybe 10 to 15 to 16. I think they're the nicest group of, of children or teenagers that I've met. So polite, so helpful. They do anything for you. But they're stuck in a hotel and they're, they're wandering the streets of Bray. It won't be too long until they learn some of the habits that are not so good. What can we do as a church to help those young people? What can we do to help the older folk? I was thinking yesterday maybe we should try to invite some of the, the elderly to, to our garden party. And we talked about yesterday when we were sitting there, it was too late to think about. What about the younger ones? What about what about the mothers?
And sometimes we often say, well, we pray for somebody, and actually, do we? Let's this week make an effort to pray for those who God places in our way that we can lend a helping hand to. Spend time in prayer, and you'll be amazed at what God will do through prayer. But I pray this morning as we reflect on those words from this, this story, this parable that Jesus told of Good Samaritan, that we would examine our hearts. Are they soft or are they hard as nails? And God is calling us to have soft hearts and hard feet. Father God, as we consider what you're challenging us to, to do today as individuals and as a church, especially with those that we find, find, find around us at this moment in time, <clears throat> not to mention those we will find around ourselves in about six months' time, Lord, help us to have compassion. Give us a heart, a compassionate heart. All those around us, where we find ourselves, whether it be in work, whether it be in school, whether it be in the playground, give us hearts of compassion.